Episode 12, Hey Love Podcast. But when my mom was getting, um, you know, toward the end of her life, she had, um, she would sort of go in and out of reality. And I remember one day she was, we were talking about one of my other sisters and she turned to me and she said, she was always my favorite. And I went, I love hearing you say that. I felt sort of guilty because I always thought I was your favorite. <laughs> Welcome to Hey Love. Engaging the introverted woman in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces. Here, it's all about relationships. She's a legend in her own time, almost like a household name, especially during the Christmas season. Amy Grant. Hers was the first Christian concert I ever attended, the first Christmas record I ever bought, the first high-low soundtrack I ever sang to in a church service. (laughs) Remember that song, In a Little While? And then there was Got to Let It Go, which was a duet she sang with Russ Taff, I believe. That was way back in the day, about 30 years ago. We're talking mid-80s here. She's had such an interesting career and journey. I've always admired the way she's kept things real in her songs and her interviews through controversy and scandal and divorce. Well, there's controversy again around her new Christmas record. You may have heard this. One retailer refused to carry her product, which caused a few eyebrows to be raised, in our community at least. And Amy's own reaction was, of course, so gracious. Um, She's asking fans and friends to not argue about the decision. And beyond that is encouraging fans to reflect love to everyone involved in this matter. Her manager, Jennifer Cook, wrote a beautiful opinion piece in the Washington Post recently in response to this decision. I'll be linking to that article in the show notes so that you don't have to write it down while you're on the elliptical. I run into Amy Grant once about every year or so just around town, and I'm always surprised when she remembers me. I get all socially awkward and codependent trying to save her the trouble of trying to remember my name. Um... Hi, Amy. My name is, and she always laughs and says, I know your name, Carthy. I always feel like such a doofus. It would make sense that people assume that I I just know her through my musician hubby. And while he has worked with her on occasion, he's not the one who introduced me to her. He's never even been in the same room at the same time when I've run into her here and there. But Every once in a while, I get asked about my friendship with Amy, and it's like, whoa, do you really know Amy Grant? I always have fun with it. Oh, yeah, we're best friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, she just doesn't know that yet, but we totally are. She has the most disarming way about her that does make you feel like you really are a treasured friend. She drinks people in. I'm always astounded at her ability to remember details about even the littlest things that I've shared. I know she must meet a bazillion people everywhere she goes, but she always manages to maintain eye contact and listen really well, exceedingly well. In recent years, she's given me counsel on parenting each of my kids through their unique issues. And she's challenged me to explore my creative bent. And most recently, she encouraged me to consider a certain angle for a book idea I shared with her. I'll tell you more about that project real soon. Wait for it. Amy was finishing up vocals for her new Christmas record, which she was giddy about. You will hear that in the teaser. She is just absolutely beside herself. 
You know, she really does turn uh, into a kid when it comes to Christmas. Later, I'll play you a little snippet from part two of this interview, because of course, this is going to be a two-parter. It's Amy Grant. If you haven't gotten your copy yet of Tennessee Christmas, what are you waiting for? You'll get to hear her sing that classic title cut in her grown woman voice, as she says. And it's a half step down. Here's a little snippet of my favorite cut from that album, To Be Together. So, so good. She's sleeping in the terminal with the whole world headed home to be together. While I was setting up in a cozy corner of the Gill House, a portrait of Amy's mother caught my eye. Put something beautiful or blingy or even slightly unusual in the room, and this easily distracted interviewers all. Squirrel! As soon as Amy walked in for our appointment, she noticed that I was staring at the portrait. She gave me a big hug, and she began to share a story. I knew this was going to be good, so I put the cables and mics down. Before she received the painting from the artist himself, Amy had just encountered a visit from her mother, who had passed away more than five years prior, in a truer-than-life dream. It was her, Amy said, and she looked like she was 30 years old again in the dream, which would mean that it was the way she would have looked in the year 1969. Amy told me we were just passing each other on the stairs, and she stopped and said she had come back just to see me. Amy describes the whole scene. I sat up in the bed, laughing and crying all at once. Then Amy showed me the markings on the back of this portrait, which was received shortly after her vision. And it said, Gloria Grant, 1969. Whoa. The painter had used an old photograph from that exact era of her mom's life. The confirmation written in pencil left an indelible mark on Amy, causing the words of encouragement from a loving mother in another place to sink even deeper into the soul of her poet daughter. This was all before I could hit the record button. The interview hadn't even begun yet, and she was already giving me all this gold while I was still trying to plug in chords and mics. How could this not be on tape? Stupid, stupid, stupid. We talk about all sorts of things in this episode, like her best little buddy growing up, how she discovered dolls late in life when she really should have been too cool, what she wants friends to say at her funeral someday, what it means to have other women in her life, why she practices stillness as often as she can, the benefit of memorizing scripture, how relationship with Jesus brings more peace and adventure than any other relationship on earth, what it's like to not rely on the Holy Spirit as helper. And I got to say, her answer to my soul care question is just one of the sweetest things you will ever hear. I'm sure you're going to love this interview. A little disclaimer, just don't laugh at all the room noise. You'll hear a train rumbling and whistling by, a lawnmower in the yard, dogs barking next door. And if you listen real close, you might be able to hear Vince Gill recording vocals downstairs from his studio. Not really. It's all soundproofed real good in there. But the loudest noise of all is Amy's stomach growling. She says that she has a really loud one. So you'll hear her stomach growling through the whole interview, which was really funny. Here's Amy Grant. When I was starting the third grade, 
we moved to a dead-end street and the house right next to ours had a family with four girls just like our family and the youngest of those four girls was my exact age Aww. and she went by the nickname Scotty and I have so many great memories of playing with Scotty and so sort of late in life she introduced me to Barbie dolls <laughs> like third grade I think we played baby dolls till sixth grade, but I we would, it had to be sort of code, you know. Hey, there's anybody at your house? We don't play dolls because <laughs> you couldn't admit that you were. Oh doing my baby gosh, dolls. we were already having boyfriends and flirting, and you just didn't dare tell anybody That's that you hilarious. had a baby doll. But exploring the neighborhood, and you know, we would make bike trails through wooded lots. Mm. We would take coat hangers and do them in the shape of what would eventually be a net. And then we would take a pair of old pantyhose of our mom's and cut off kind of right around the thigh. That's And hilarious. we would stitch the wide part to the loop in the coat hanger and then tie the end. And we would find a creek and <gasps> catch minnows. We went so sledding on the- So resourceful. Oh, we, we loved being outside. That's great. But it was always just mm. laid back and an adventure. Tell me about your favorite room in your house. The house I grew up in or the house now? Either one. Um, Maybe both. Well, sorry for whoever's mowing the grass somewhere. Oh, that's okay. Um, the kitchen. Yeah, my favorite room in every house I've ever lived in has mm. been the kitchen. Did your mom cook a lot? My mo Yes, my mother cooked. But I just remember it was always a gathering place. It was just where, where everybody showed up. We always had interesting things in the refrigerator. Um, <laughs> yeah. Interesting things. Interesting, yeah. Because she was always kind of improvising mm. and, ooh, let's try this, let's try that. Um, I grew up in a home that we actually sat down around a dinner table with, there was no TV in sight morning and evening, every breakfast, every really? dinner. Yes. That's so rare. It's crazy, but I think it's because of the way my mother grew up. So my mother was two when her parents divorced, and wow. she, you know, that was 1933. Not, I think she was probably the only divorced child. Really? <laughs> child of divorce. Probably. Yes. And so, so It's interesting how something that maybe has a a negative impact on mm. um, a child will actually inspire them to do something totally different so as an true. adult. Yeah, so. She created something so different for you all. Beautiful. My stomach's growling. I hope the mic is not picking it up. <laughs> I don't hear it. Have you heard the term, did you read this question already? Have you heard the term sistering when it comes to carpentry? Well, we just, you know, we're finishing up Blair's studio, and um, even before the studio, though, we, we were living in an older home and remodeling some of the, and, and had some guys over to talk about flooring and, and redoing this, redoing that, and, and they talked about when there were weaker, weaker joists in the floor, they would have a stronger beam come in the middle and then adjoin two of the weaker joists to it. And that, that, there's a term called sistering. That is called sistering. I love that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So when I think about how you and your sisters have um, walked through 
your mom's passing from life to life and now with your dad mm -hmm. dealing with dementia. Can you tell us how, how has it been? How are you guys sistering as a verb? Mm. <laughs> well, first I'll, let me just describe our differences in our ages. So when I was born, my sister Carol was six weeks shy of her second birthday. And my sister Mimi was six and a half, and my sister Kathy was eight and a half years old. Mm -hmm. So, um, and all through life, it's, you know, we, my mom would always sort of put Kathy and Carol together, you know, six years between them and Mimi and me together. You know, we would, my room was closer to Mimi's, Carol's room was closer mm -hmm. to Kathy's. It's just how it wound up. I mean, there was a time when I, when I was little, we were all four in one bedroom. You know, my parents were going through different stages of their life. But mm. um, it's interesting that you... Um, I actually wrote a poem about my sisters that Ooh. I couldn't quote, um, but I can find it if you want to know about it. I would love to see that. Um, Is it in Mosaic? Yeah. Ooh. And so... I bet I could find that. Okay. Yeah, I'll find I, I've it. I've got a copy of it somewhere. But um, my sisters are really my tribe. Mm. And what makes us a tribe is that, not that we are the same, you know? And I think about this all the time, being unified with any group is not about being the same. It's about coming together in your differences. And so, um, and it's the different, the different experiences in our life, especially the hard things that have helped us know each other better um, see our strengths and our weaknesses, and given us the choice at every turn to answer this question, am I for her or against her? Because mm. ultimately that is the basis for any positive relationship, you know? Mm. I think there have been times within our relationships when we have inadvertently or on purpose done something hurtful or something that was, you know, Maybe, I don't know, just all kinds of things. But to just as you're processing, as we go forward, you know, am I for her or against her? Hmm. And I think when you choose I'm for somebody, then it, you, you problem solve differently. You, um, you know, you, you always, you say we, <laughs> you know, um, so, and my mother's death, you know, we all processed it differently. There were four of us. We each had a very unique relationship with mom. Um, one of the four of us, it wasn't me, but we had probably the most fractured relationship with my mother. I'm not sure why. Mm. But when my mom was getting, um, you know, toward the end of her life, she had, um, she would sort of go in and out of reality. Mm. And I remember one day she was, we were talking about one of my other sisters and she turned to me and she said, she was always my favorite. <gasps> and I went, I love hearing you say that. <laughs> I felt sort of guilty because I always thought I was your favorite. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what a healthy response. I know. But the other thing is that when we were younger, that one that she said was her favorite, <laughs> Which might have just been that day. Who knows? She also said toward the end of her life, oh, I think I'm pregnant. Oh. So we were thinking, oh, dear Lord, I hope not. But so who knows? You know, but, but that sister oh. probably was the wildest one in her wow. growing up years. 
And so that was an interesting thing that when you really, mm. you know, it made for a deep love. Mm. My mom probably prayed a kind of intense prayers oh. for that sister. Yeah. Yeah. And then my dad, when he used to, when he could talk, he was talking to his caregiver one time and he and he said to her there he was trying to figure out who had come over and he said is it the one that just never gets anything right <laughs> but he's he talking about you i don't know he didn't identify it so we'll all go well clearly <laughs> clearly one of us one of us doesn't get it right ever yeah oh that's i know hilarious. you know we have we have argued we have you know we come from a family with a net, just a, a deep sense of sort of naturally instilled reserve. Mm. We're Southern. We grew up Christian. It took us a long time really to find our own voice mm-hmm. with our, within ourselves and with each other. But it's, I love my sisters. Yeah. My Sisters by Amy Grant. My sisters are mothers and daughters, secret keepers and problem solvers, knitters and sky watchers, stillness and safe harbors. My sisters are table-setters and providers, truth-tellers and writers, laughers and criers, news-spreaders and tear-dryers. My sisters are porch-sitters and coffee-drinkers, average cooks and average cleaners, pillow-fluffers and soul-healers, confidants and true believers. What do you hope that a friend might say at your funeral someday? <laughs> Way to bring the room down. Um, your mini eulogy. Well, I was thinking, I, I did read that question, and I thought, you know, the great thing about a, a friend is they know your best and your worst. And I think what you, what any of us remembers about anybody is how we felt when we were with them. And, you know, it can be, how you felt when you were sitting next to somebody on an airplane or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's really, it's not so much that person, but that chemistry that's created between the two of you. Mm. And I guess I hope a friend would say, I felt more alive, you know? Great answer. Um, and then my sisters and I, my sister Mimi was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago and mm. we were all wishing my father could still have a conversation because he was a, uh, he was in... Um, oncology. Yes, radiation oncology. Aww. But just talking through the inevitable that we will probably not all go at the same time. And so we're all... It was the first time that we had... She's doing great now. Oh, good. But we, we were... I don't know. It's just something that we had not ever talked about with each other. Mm. And we are mostly just kind of taking deep breaths and going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you know... Nobody else is a witness to your life like your family. But then one of us, I can't even remember who, said, well, last one standing gets the biggest welcome home. Beautiful. (laughs) So. Wow. What is your favorite Bible study of all time? And I know your tummy's growling. Would you like a protein bar? I actually, you can probably hear it. I have such a loud stomach. No. Well, then if I eat something, then it'll... It'll growl because it's breaking in. It, yeah, I know. There's, so, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine for me. Yeah, I just whole, didn't know if you were uncomfortable. Yeah. The hardest 
recording I ever did was doing that mosaic book on tape because I have such a loud stomach. <laughs> they wrapped my entire body in like packing blankets. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like multiple blankets and then had the microphone. I was in a studio and you're like, we're still picking up her stomach. That's Just, amazing. Mm-hmm. You must have a really incredibly high metabolism or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. that's so funny. What did you just ask? What is your oh. favorite Bible study of all time? Or narrative or character? Or it could be a work um, of art. I did my, probably years ago, my life was radically changed doing a Bible study by Dudley Hall called mm. Grace Works. And that was, oh my goodness, that was uh, over 20 years ago. And then uh, I would say, I mean, the best Bible, the the most ongoing life-changing study of Scripture has been anything that I've memorized because you just kind of, you're able to keep returning to it Mm -hmm. without a book in front of you. And um, it's been a while since I've memorized anything, but... um, you know, Jennifer Cook, my manager, we were on the phone. We've been on the phone more than once. And I'll be like, I don't know, just not coming from the most balanced place or frustrated or, you know, there's pressure to life. And then when you have to not only kind of manage your own life, but then you have to be responsible for a schedule that cannot be changed, <laughs> like a tour. <laughs> she has said to me more than once, hey, Go say your scriptures and call me back. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But um, it sets you straight. Yeah. But I um, studied just on my own the life of Moses, and it really changed me. I didn't go buy a book. I just read. I started it uh, in Genesis and read through Exodus, and it really made it just changed how I it changed my understanding of all the Old Testament references, Mm. especially in the Gospel of John. It has a lot of kind of Old Testament, New Testament references. And um, yeah, and so my schedule has always been so erratic. I've never been able to participate in a group. You know, I'm just Mm. this gypsy. And so I had to kind of, I had a pastor that led me through a study of John, the Gospel of John, and we just did it by phone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I look at my children and go, oh my gosh, they have grown up just so unlike the way I did, you know? Because they have group. Well, because we, you know, we didn't, they they were for large chunks of their childhood on a bus. Oh, you gotcha. know, the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night that was regular for me Uh, didn't make any sense to them. mm. Like regular church attendance has never made sense to them. Mm. And so that's not where I can walk into any church building and go, oh, I feel like something from, this smells like the wallpaper in my great-grandmother's house. Mm. All of those like distant, formative templates, are they do not share those with me. And so... um, yeah, it's just interesting, mm-hmm. those formative years. Well, what do you wish that you could tell the 25-year-old version of yourself or maybe your granddaughter in a few years? Mm-hmm. How many grands do you have now? One, grandson. Oh, grandson. 25-year-old version of myself. I would say relax your shoulders <laughs> and take 
several really deep breaths because as um, I'm just making this up off the top of my head, so I haven't really I haven't thought this through, but Very just practical. Yeah, take a, take a few deep breaths. Gosh, I think that's where I would start because there's no, you know, kind of depending on just whether they're looking at a decision or just relax and take a few deep breaths. Be still. I remember yeah. something you said last year. Um, it's in the stillness that we hear the voice of God. So that really has stuck with me. And I've really been trying to practice stillness. Like you also said, it is a practice. Yes. You have to be deliberate and practice it. And it's really one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. But it's been fruitful too. So that's a great tip. Yeah. What do you do for soul care to encourage Amy? I, I don't know that I have a regime. I think I just, that's a pretty broad question. You know what I mean? Like when you're feeling discouraged, say, um, like in my case, you know, people keep telling me, oh, when you launch your podcast, you're going to get haters. You're going to get hate mail. You're going to get people that just want to criticize you for the sake of hearing your own voice or seeing your own words in print. So my dear friends are putting, they know that words of encouragement are my love language. Mm -hmm. That's my jam. So they're putting together a box of encouraging affirmations for me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So what's maybe a a narrowing question might be like, what's your love language? Right. Well, words of affirmation. And when I, if I am struck, you know, just whatever, if I can't settle on the inside, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels in sand or a lot of times it's because I'm tired. Mm. And so I will frequently, I'll I'll just, even if I have a short window of time, if I've got 30 minutes, I'll make myself take a nap. Good. That's a great soul care tip. Yeah. So napping, um, last summer, summer of 2015, I got really, really sick because of a tick-borne illness. And I napped before that, but that made me see how important that is. I mean, we all have illnesses Lurking, content, yeah. All of us, and and when you get run down, mm-hmm. they have a chance to exhibit themselves, and so. Yeah. Um, but I but I learned a really great lesson last summer. So napping. Good. Um, but I can even sound crazy. Even if I just have twenty minutes, I'll just set the timer on my phone. Good. And I can I can usually you know even if I just sleep sixteen of those minutes, it makes a difference. It does, and you know, every other culture on the planet... Naps. Yeah, mm-hmm. does it, it incorporates it into their schedule. Mm-hmm. Even big companies. That's fantastic. Crazy. Yeah. I walked into a sushi place in Brentwood a couple of years ago, and they forgot to lock the door, apparently, because I walked in, everybody was on the booths, <gasps> sleeping. Resting. I love that. Yes. and I, I was you like, said, Can I, I don't do want to leave. <laughs> oh, sorry, you're napping. It was so <laughs> yeah. peaceful. That's fantastic. And I think... Soul care. I mean, we are all, you know, I mean, we're emotions, spirit, body, we're all those things. So um, I sometimes just getting outside, so napping, Very good. going outside. I'm an O blood type, and actually, a great stress reliever is strenuous activity. And so. I did not know that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Hmm. It's a stress reliever. So I might 
um, just tackle a task, mm. like, um, I don't know. Moving furniture. Like or, moving something. Yeah. Maybe not organizing too much, <laughs> but like um, weeding a part of a flower Good. bed or picking up sticks from the yard or scrubbing something. You know, you don't want to make it too big because cleaning <laughs> projects can get overwhelming really fast. Yeah. Um, and another thing, if I'm emotionally, if I'm feeling wrung out, I, and this is kind of more new, uh, a more recent discovery, is I'll just, I have started trying to just sit quietly wherever Vince is. Aww. That's really sweet. I know. It's, you know, because I'm a very <clears throat> relational person, and women, you know, we want to talk, we want to figure things out. Yeah. But if I'm feeling the most outside my own skin, like I just cannot settle on the inside, the one person who has said, I'm here for you. Mm. It's not my girlfriends. It's not mm. my children. Mm. It's that man on the other pillow in the same bed. And so... You know, not even, hey, we had great romance last night. It could be nothing mm -hmm. but to just go sit with somebody who says, I care the most about you. Beautiful. Even if he's watching TV, even if he was just going, I mean, it helps that we have a good relationship. Yeah. But as everybody knows, a good relationship, it's like the swing of a pendulum. You know, mm -hmm. you've got days that feel great, days don't, don't feel so great. Mm -hmm. But just the... Um, but you feel safe with them. I do. Uh, and Yeah. Good. And stillness practice, I do that. Yeah. What did, when did you first know that you were in need of grace? So your conversion story. I knew Jesus I, well, I knew I was you. naughty from the time I was little. Did you? Yes. Even though you grew up in a Christian home? Oh, yeah. Especially because... That didn't have anything to do with it. I just knew I was yeah. sneaky and naughty. <laughs> <laughs> So how did Jesus I capture you? Was. Your heart. Um, I guess really, I mean, how he continues capturing it is really the question because it continues to happen. You know, it's not just a one time. Yeah. So I just would say this, that nothing, no other relationship, no other relationship has brought uh, peace and adventure like that one. Um, and as far as, you know, need for grace, oh my goodness, I mean, that, that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. It happens, um, you know, when I went through a divorce, I was, um, that was back in 19, well, really, the years that before that, 1997, 98, 1999, mm -hmm. you know, those years that were, I had several under the, dark midnight sky with my face in the dirt, snot mm -hmm. cry, you know, mm -hmm. and just feeling um, in, in all of my confusion and deep sadness and anger to really sense at the end of all those tears when I was just lying there in exhaustion and really feeling so alone, discovering I was not alone. And you know, and mm. with every, I mean, just the other day, I was so frustrated with 
just a continual choice that was not really a very healthy choice that I kept making. Um, and no one, it, it, it made no difference to anybody else's life. Mm-hmm. But when I went, gosh, my, I mean, if I had my druthers, I would like to be, experience as vibrant of a life as I can, as long as I can, you know? I mean, I'm 55, but I've got dreams that it might, what if it takes a few decades to see them through, or my Mm -hmm. children, my grandchildren, but just, I was so frustrated with my lack of self-control or initiative. And one morning pouring coffee, I went, man, you know, the Holy Spirit is my helper. And have I really honestly said at one of those moments that I could have said, this is the pivotal moment of making a different choice. And to go, I'm going to actively say, Spirit, help me choose wisely. And, you know, it's so interesting because it was so practical and I felt a different kind of, I don't know, it'd be the difference in trying to drive a car with no gas and trying to drive a car with gas. (laughs) Right on. And it was so practical and I thought, you have not because you ask not. And there you have it. Such a simple truth. Amy has such an eloquent way of expressing herself, doesn't she? I loved hearing her talk about her sisters and their special relationship. Really, everything she was saying about unity and doing life together, doesn't that apply to all relationships? Whether we're related by blood or not, we're all connected. And in the body of Christ, we share a really special bond. Keep this in mind as you move to the Rhythm of Grace this month and into the holidays. Maybe you'll be spending time with someone you disagree with about some certain things, like the outcome of a recent election, maybe. Keep that person in mind for a minute. Think about how that feels to think of them. Confess all those feelings to Jesus. Ask the Spirit to help you in conveying that you are for them. I'm not saying you have to agree with them. Just maybe ask the Spirit to allow you to see how He may let those differences between you round things out and build your character. And allow the Spirit to teach you how to ask for what you need. You know how good it feels when your kids are being kind to each other? Those rare moments. I think it's like that times a thousand, maybe a million for our Heavenly Father when we work getting along. When we don't just walk away from hard or let a strained relationship die a slow death, but we pursue in love. I'm not talking about abusive friendships or relationships, but God is able to turn things around. This means that we have to be sensitive to His leading and learn to communicate what we feel, what we need. Again, these are all things that can be learned. Skills like riding a bike or driving a car. Do we want to fill it up with gas or charge the battery up before we drive it? Remember what Amy said, we have not because we ask not. Amy talked about finding her voice with Vince and with her sisters and how, you know, in that they argue and have some tension and it's not always pretty. A counselor friend of mine told me recently, we argue with those we love. We have to. This is why I proposed to Blair last year that we have more fights, especially in front of our kids. This experiment or whatever, I I really felt like it was a good idea because 
conflict is not a bad thing like we all thought. It's actually a good thing. When it's done right, it can show us what really matters to our hearts and what we, what we need, what we care about. When confrontation happens with respect, it can really increase intimacy. And I so want for our kids to see this fleshed out so they don't walk into a marriage blind and at a deficit like we did. And speaking of intimacy, can you get over what what Amy said about just being near Vince and what that does for her, just being in his presence, how that calms her down? It was so, so sweet. I am so happy that she has found someone that she feels that safe with. I can say I have that too. My husband Blair is an anchor for my soul. And I tell him all the time, you are living proof that God loves me. I'm believing more and more that God loves me because Blair has stuck with me through hard, crazy hard. And I'm so grateful for him. I hope that you have someone like a Blair or a Vince, even if it's not a husband. Yes, it's true. We're never more married than we are to Jesus. But I pray that you have someone with skin on who can give you a glimpse of that total acceptance, total safety, total love. Next week, we're going to have the rest of my interview with Amy Grant. Here's a little teaser. Oh, is mine a Christmas thing? Well, I'm going to air yours probably around Christmas. Because ah! you're the Christmas girl. Oh, gosh, this is so exciting. I'm so excited about this new record. because. And here's an endorsement. Oh, and so this, this is Chip Dodd of the Center for Professional Excellence and Sage Hill Counseling and Institute. Learn how to give voice to your heart here on Hey Love with Carthy Masters. I enjoyed meeting with you. And here's a new review. Okay, this review is a five-star from Lucky Charms. It says, even though I don't consider myself an introvert, she's referring to uh, the tagline. So Lucky Charms says, it feels like a comfy, curled-up-on-the-couch conversation with your best girlfriends who happen to have a wealth of wisdom to share from their life experiences without judgment or shaming, but with encouragement to look to God and Jesus for our worth and approval. Grab some headphones, head outside for a walk in this beautiful fall weather, and let Carthy and her friends keep you company. Thank you, Lucky Charms. And you probably heard my stomach growling on that. This mic is picking up all that stuff. So a lot of room noise this episode. Amy's charity of choice is Barefoot Republic. She works with so many organizations. She's constantly doing community service around here. But wanted me to make a special mention for Barefoot Republic. So I'll link to them in the show notes. It's great to see kids of all types and races and socioeconomic backgrounds living and playing in unity. Barefoot Republic, just another way for you to live out love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back, and we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. I have such a loud stomach. No. <laughs> Dina Clark was like that. Like, the second she would be done eating, she put down her napkin and her stomach would just start... Yeah, yeah. Everybody else is like, my stomach's just sitting there like a lot. <laughs> what?